Hello, and welcome to the PowerTech Podcast. I'm your host, Mo. Today, we'll be discussing the topic of low load efficiency and power converters, and Pulsive's cutting-edge solution for this issue. Joining me today is Zaki from Pulsive, an expert in power electronics and energy efficiency. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here today to discuss this important topic. So to start, can you explain what low load efficiency is and why it's important in power supplies? Sure. Low load efficiency relates to the efficiency of the power supply at low load. The question then is, what is low load? So in other words, the power supply normally operates at at a power level that is lower than its maximum rated power. Oh, that makes sense. So what's the, low, what's the difference between low load and max rated load efficiency? Well, most power supplies, which are used in a lot of different application areas, they do not operate at the maximum power all the time. For example, if you look at your television or a screen, the power, the maximum power it would consume would probably be much higher than what you're currently using it for. Most power supplies operate below 25% for the majority of the time that they're plugged in compared to when they're absolutely working at their maximum. Which applications benefit the most from this improved low load efficiency? A lot of the devices that we commonly use, for example, your laptop or your laptop power supply, they tend to work off batteries. And when you are using the power supply, you are recharging the battery. If the battery, if the battery has very low charge, you tend to use the power supply at its maximum, but this is for a very, very short time period. As the battery charges up, you reduce the amount of power taken from the mains and you end up spending the majority of your time at much lower power levels. And therefore, because of the time spent at lower power levels compared to the time spent at higher power levels, the overall efficiency of the power supply is disproportionately affected by the time spent at these different levels. Makes sense. I always leave my laptop plugged in for a long time, to be honest. Precisely. Most use cases, for example, if you leave your your laptop plugged in, your laptop will probably be at 100%. The power supply you're using is powering just the screen and maybe a few background tasks. This means typically if if you measure it, you would probably see that the power supply is operating at 5 to 10 watts. It might be rated at 65 watts or 140 watts and 10 watts represents a much smaller percentage of the rated power. And unfortunately, that's where most power supplies are at their least efficiency, which means you end up dissipating a lot of heat. If you touch your laptop power supply, it's probably warm. And this is not a good sign because it's dissipating a lot of power and just providing a very small amount of power for the tasks that you're doing. It sounds like it could have a huge impact on the global carbon footprint and possibly even save users some energy or money. Yes, we have some example case studies on our website, which I would encourage you to have a look at where we explore this exact phenomena. Vampire devices, which is what this refers to, these typically operate for the majority of their time at very low powers compared to uh, 
when they are actually used at their maximum power. I think I remember seeing the uh, case study that was quite interesting. We'll have a link to it in the in the bottom of the podcast. So what are the other factors that affect, that affect low load efficiency in power supplies? A very important factor is the actual topology of the power supply. What this means is certain types of power supplies are better for low load efficiencies compared to others. And the choice of the topology of the power supply needs to be considered when you when you design a power supply meant for high efficiencies right across the entire power range. So typically boost PFCs are very inefficient at low loads. A boost PFC is a component of a power supply. It's it's normally the first stage of, of a typical power supply and boost PFCs are very efficient at higher power levels, but because of the way they operate by definition effectively, at lower power levels, they cannot be efficient. And this is what Pulsive replaces in the design of the power supplies. Interesting. Are there any other factors that affect the, the low load efficiency, maybe components or external factors outside of the power supply? Components always are part of the overall efficiency of the power supply. And depending on what components you use, you can affect the overall efficiency, but the shape of the efficiency curve that is determined by the topology that you're using. So with Pulsive, we use the Pulsive front end, which provides power factor correction and excellent low load efficiency. We couple that with flyback technologies, which are lower cost and more reliable than traditional resonant based technologies like LLCs and the combined effect of having a pulsive front end and a flyback provides us with power supplies that are better than boost PFC LLC combinations across the entire power range. Oh wow. What sort of power ranges is the pulsive osmium technology currently rated to? At the moment we have Osmium microcontrollers that cover up to 250 watts. So this includes the majority of uh, majority of consumer goods and including USB-C type chargers. We are looking at extending this power range to much higher power levels to provide solutions for the industrial power supplies or much higher power levels. Can you give us some examples of converted topologies that have good low load efficiency? That's a very good question. Um, compared to the Pulsive front end, I haven't come across other power supply topologies that that match the Pulsive, the, the Pulsive coupled with a flyback. Most of the other power supplies that exist on the market are almost exclusively boost PFCs followed on by a resonant type converter. I believe there's a lot of renewed interest in flyback converters, extending the power ranges of flyback converters to even higher power levels. And this provides an excellent or almost a near perfect fit to having a pulsive front end. So you can start looking at designing much higher power converters, which have a remarkably flat efficiency range right from the maximum power all the way down to less than 10% of the rated power level. It just sounds quite exciting. 
Outside of the topologies, are there any other techniques that can be used to improve low load efficiency in power supplies? Yes, there are other techniques you can use. So some types of converters, they they extract power in a burst method or they skip just so that they are not continuously operating. And this does help with the efficiency at low loads because you effectively don't operate the power supply and you just rely on the output riding through the low power conditions. Other techniques you can use is you can use newer types of components, especially wide band gap components like gallium nitride. These components have much smaller parasitic values and that does help with the low load efficiency as well. Oh, I had no idea, to be honest. I always assumed uh, the parasitics had really caused issues with switching. Quite interesting. That is true. The parasitics affect the switching. And if you're not if you're not pushing a lot of power through the power supply, then suddenly the switching losses become very significant. It's like, you know, one watt doesn't sound like a lot, but if you're delivering three watts, then one watt is a very significant portion of your three watts. And that is very typical when you are, for example, at standby power levels or just trickle charging, for example, a, a phone battery. Well, that's interesting from an application engineer's perspective. Don't really don't have that insight from a design design perspective. Yes, most designs try and showcase the maximum efficiency possible and completely ignore the, the actual use case of the product. And I think going forward, the use case will be a very important overall metric because, for example, if your laptop is currently plugged into the mains, you probably don't need it plugged into the mains. Once the battery is full, how many of us actually disconnect the chargers? And all of these chargers that are plugged in all over the country they're all synchronized. It's it's the law of large numbers, unfortunately. There are millions and millions of people using five watts, and suddenly five watts multiplied by millions and millions gives you five megawatts or more, and that suddenly becomes a problem because that is what the grid has to deliver. It has to deliver five megawatts, five million watts, for example, cater for people not pulling their power supplies out. What we provide with Pulsive is very high efficiency. So even though you are operating at low power levels, you are not dissipating a lot of power in your power supply. So your laptop power supply doesn't get warm when it's plugged in all day. And that makes a very big difference across the, that makes a very big difference when you look at the overall carbon footprint. I wonder what would happen if we have adopted the pulsive technology across the UK. Wonder how much power we'd uh, power we'd save, really, energy we'd save. We we have looked at this, and the numbers are frightening. It it looks like almost an entire power station, but these are just preliminary numbers. We will probably look at that in more detail as we roll the technology out, because it's not just laptop power supplies that would benefit from this. Things like routers, which are always plugged in. I mean, everybody has a, a Wi-Fi router, maybe two plugged all the time in the house. Televisions, LED lighting as well. So if you have dimmable LED lighting, it's astonishing just how much power is wasted at low levels. 
in LED drivers compared to the compared to the maximum efficiency of the power supply. It's actually, uh, I use the word frightening actually. I think, uh, there's a lot of power there to be potentially, well, power consumption to be reduced actually. Yes, yes. I mean, and, and as we go forward, so for example, with lighting, it's very likely that we will start having more instances, smart lighting, where your lights aren't on at full power all the time. If you start having smart lighting where you dim the lights to maybe 10% when nobody's in the room and then bring it up to 100% when there's occupancy, suddenly the efficiencies at those dimmed light lighting levels becomes incredibly efficient, incredibly important. And when you look at the true overall end-to-end -end efficiency, it is utterly frightening just how, how much power is wasted in the system. So, um. What impact does the low load efficiency have on the overall efficiency of the power supply? We've run some numbers looking at some fairly typical use cases, and I'll just give you an example. We recently did a study to look at typical use case where a product spends 80% of its time at 10% load, 10% of its time at 50% load, and 10% of its time at 100% load. If the advertised maximum efficiency is 91%, the overall efficiency given this use case drops to a frightening 37%, which means overall you are wasting more power than you're actually using, which going forwards just is unacceptable, I think. Well, it sounds like it would be a good way to achieve our net zero carbon emissions. I believe it will certainly go a long way to reducing the amount of waste that we have because the amount of power that we use is one side of the entire power infrastructure. If you consider the amount of losses in the transmission of that power from wherever it's being generated, the numbers are even more frightening because nothing is 100% efficient and the losses in transmitting the power are disproportionately at low powers. The transmission losses are generally higher because of various additional technical factors like the power factor. Most products, most consumer products below 65 watts do not have power factor correction. And I think this is actually quite problematic, certainly for the grid. But we can talk about that in a in a future pod, in a future podcast. That'd be an interesting topic to visit. So just out of interest, how do we apply the pulsive solution to our applications? Well, to for most applications, thankfully, legislation is now pushing us towards having better power supplies, and we're also consolidating power supplies. So the first stage really is the legislative part, which needs to push companies and consumers to adopting a common standard. And I think the USB-C standard is an excellent step in this direction. I don't know about you, but I probably I have one or two drawers full of, I have one or two drawers full of old chargers for all the phones I've ever had, you know, right from the beginning of the mobile phone rev revolution. And Moving away from all those different chargers to having a standard charger, I think is is definitely a step in the right direction so that you can then use your USB-C charger for your laptop, for your phone, for your tablet, for your television, 
this I think is definitely a step in the right direction and that's where Pulsive can help because the power levels for most consumer devices fits within the range that we have initially focused on in our product line. The eco design rules that have been recently, the eco design rules that have recently come into force push us along this line. And I think for once, you know, this legislation was sorely needed. I personally can't wait. I think I've been carrying around all the cables, especially when you're traveling for work. So a laptop charger, mobile charger, camera, etc. It'd be nice just to have the, uh, the one power supply to power everything. It would be even better if you just had the one cable to power everything and you rely on the USB-C socket, you know, to to be as commonly available as your standard uh, free pin socket. I mean, if you look at the amount of chargers people pack and carry around as they travel all over the world, I would hate to think how much carbon dioxide has been produced because of that additional weight. That's a good point, actually. I didn't even consider that. Let yeah, I mean, wasted if, cables. if you imagine a world where just as, I mean, if you go to the US or you go to Europe or you go to Britain, the, the mains power supply is always a different type of socket. Everybody travels with something to convert from one to the other. Imagine if you didn't have that and you just had a standard USB-C cable which would fit into the socket, whether you're in the US or in Europe or in, in the UK, and that's all you needed. So suddenly all the converters, all the additional power supplies, all of that weight wouldn't need to be carried around all over the world. And it might not seem like a lot to you and I, but again, if you look at the number of people who travel, whether it's by air or even in your car, anywhere you are carrying excess weight, you are burning additional carbon dioxide. And it might not be a lot for a single person, but when you look at the overall CO2 emission, CO2 generated by this across the world, again, it's frightening numbers. And these are simple things that we could do. We have the technology to do it. It's now just a case of rolling it out and implementing it, getting consumers on board. I notice there's a few reference designs on the Pulsive website. Could you talk us through them? Yes, yes. We have provided a number of reference designs on our website to assist people to adopt our technology. We've focused on power levels, which, which we believe would cover for very wide variety of consumer type applications. Please see our website to see these reference designs. They also showcase that you can use flyback type technologies to achieving incredible efficiency numbers. There are better ways. So our reference designs have been created from a cost perspective. You can produce even better reference designs, which are much more efficient if you're prepared to incur slightly higher cost. So we are just providing the initial starting stage for engineers to develop and evaluate our technology for a wide variety of application spaces. Oh, that's interesting because I, yeah, I remember reading through one of the reference designs and it says you can improve your efficiency by a few percent by employing the, uh, the half controlled bridge and a few other, a few other methods to further improve the efficiency in the reference design. Yes, yes, and we've, we've based our reference designs based on very low cost and straightforward flyback technology. There 
are better flyback technologies like active clamp flybacks and interleaf flybacks, which again could be a subject of another podcast. But these additional flyback technologies are all improving efficiencies. And you know, if, if you save 1% here, half a percent there, half a percent somewhere else, suddenly what was 90% becomes 93%. It could be 94%. And every single percentage does make a massive difference in consumer goods because because of the law of large numbers you know there are a lot of consumers and improving one percent from every single consumer right across their entire power range will make a significant impact in terms of the total amount of co2 emitted thank you zaki for sharing your insights on this topic We'll uh, include a link to the reference designs on the Pulsar website at the uh, bottom of the podcast. It was great having you on the show, Zaki. Thank you very much for having me. It was a great pleasure being here and talking about this. Thank you. And that's all the time we have for today's episode. Thanks for tuning into the PowerTech podcast. We hope you found today's discussion informative. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more exciting topics related to power systems. Goodbye and have a great day. Mm-hmm.